Thank you for listening to the Soul City Church podcast. Be sure to follow us on our Facebook and Instagram at Soul City Church. For more information, visit us on our website, soulcitychurch.com. You, you carved out this time. If we haven't met yet, hi, my name's John. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here. And, you know, I was thinking, uh, that is how I introduce myself basically every single time I get up here to teach. Hi, my name's John. I'm one of the pastors here. And, and that makes sense, right? I, I actually think it's helpful for you all to know who it is that is going to be talking to you for the next few minutes. But, but I also want you to know that... That is not how I introduce myself all of the time. Like if I'm at a family party or I meet someone at the grocery store or whatever, I don't start that conversation with, hi, I'm John, I'm one of the pastors here. <laughs> that doesn't really work in the middle of Mariano's, you know. Uh, and, but I, I don't do that because like I'm trying to hide anything about my identity either. I'm not ashamed of it necessarily. It's just because I know that it makes more sense contextually sometimes for me to lead with other parts of my identity. For example, hi, I'm John, I'm Aaron's husband, or I'm Florence or Oak's dad, or hi, I'm Pastor Jarrett's personal trainer, like whatever works for you. But, you know, because we live in this American society that seemingly obsesses over what people do for a living, my job as a pastor often comes up very quickly in conversation when I meet people. And when it does, similar to Kelly, when my job as a pastor comes up, people start often to make a lot of assumptions. And one thing, when people find out that I'm a pastor, from that moment on, they assume that the only thing that I want to or even can talk about is God and church. I know from that moment, the only gift I'm getting from this person is a Bible or a crucifix. That's it. (laughs) And listen, I will talk about God with anybody. Uh, And you all know how much I love to nerd out about the Bible. But there is more to me than just a pastor. Like, I am more than just a professional God guy, okay? For example, I'm a sports fan. I am a musical theater nerd. I was the recipient of the Rockstar Reader Award in fourth grade. No one ever asked me about that. I I am a nuanced, complex, multifaceted, special, unique human being snowflake. That's what I am. And I know that people don't mean to do it, but, but sometimes it can be a little bit frustrating when people treat you as though one aspect of who you are sums up all of who you are. Have you ever had this experience where where somebody learns one thing about you and then they treat you as though that is the only thing about you? Maybe people do this with you in in your job, like you're a doctor or something, and the only time they reach out to you is like, I have this rash. And you're like, I didn't ask for that picture. Or or maybe for you, it's like where where you're from or maybe the, the place that you grew up or a team that you cheer for. For other people in this room, this this actually happens in far more hurtful ways than that. Like people find out one part of your story or one aspect of your past. Or or even people see the color of your skin and they treat you as though that one thing is the only thing that makes you, you. I think we all know what this can feel like. We, we, we all have had this happen to us. But what I find ironic is that even though we don't necessarily like when other people do this to us, how often do we do this not only to other people, but I think more importantly 
I think it's interesting to think about how often we do this exact same thing to God. Here's what I mean. I I think many of us, whether we realize it or not, whether we mean to or not, when it comes to God, we often minimize all of who God is down to just a handful of aspects to who God is. And, and we'll come to church, for example, and we'll sing about and we'll hear about and we'll read about this incredibly big God on Sunday. But then if you actually examine our lives Monday to Saturday, it becomes clear that our vision of this God is actually quite small. In fact, to help make this a little bit more clear for you, I brought along a few limited versions of God that I think uh, we find ourselves often worshiping. For example, there's some of us in this room who carry a vision of God as what I would call a magical religious genie. Yes? I spent a lot of time on Photoshop this week, (laughs) y'all. Clearly time well spent. But, But this idea of God as a magical religious genie, this is where you really only ever come to God or think about God when you have something you want, when you have a desire. And please, do not, do not get me wrong. The Bible describes God as a provider. It's actually part of who God is. That's something God longs to do in our lives is provide for our needs and answer our prayers. However, we have a very limited view of who God is if we only ever come to God with what we want. Another example, some of us perhaps have a vision of God as what I would call a divine insurance policy. Right? This, is, this is where we, uh, we basically just live life on our own terms. Like we kind of do what we want, when we want, without really any sort of input or focus on God until something goes wrong until the bottom falls out, or we come face to face with something that we can't face, and and then and only then do we reach out to God for help. And again, the Bible talks about God as an ever-present help in trouble, that that this God is actually close to the brokenhearted, and that is only part of God's identity. And yet for some of us, that is actually the only part that we think about or relate to or reach out to. And still, for others of us in this room, this is a very popular one. We actually have a vision of God as an angry judge. That all God does is just sit up on God's heavenly throne and look down on you with disappointment. Or maybe even hurl down punishment on you when you don't live perfectly or when you break one of these gods, this God's rules. And again, you know, the the Bible actually says that there is brokenness in the world and in our lives that hurts and even angers the heart of God. God is the ultimate judge and measure of what is right and what is good. However, if that is the only feature of God's identity that we know or think about, then we're only experiencing a fraction of God's identity. And there are so many more limited visions of God that we could go through, but I did not have the time or the skill to create Photoshop files for those. But I just wonder for you, if you were to be really honest, coming in here today, this morning, if you were to think about your faith, if you were to think about how you interact in a relationship with God, I wonder if you would just ask yourself this question. Do I seek all of God Or do I settle for a small God? Do I actually seek 
all of who God is in my life, or do I really just settle for my small, minimized view of who God is? Do you actually search the vast, inexhaustible reality of God's identity, or do you find yourself, again, knowingly or unknowingly, do you actually compartmentalize God or minimize God down to the pieces of God's identity that maybe you're just more comfortable with? Or maybe only focusing on the verses or the truths that you find helpful in the moment. Or maybe you've just minimized God down to this picture or image that you find easiest to understand. And, and all of that is totally understandable. But I just wonder if you'd ask yourself the question, in your faith, do you let God be big or do you put God in a box? And here's one of the many problems, I think, with, with putting God in a box. How, how many of you have ever heard the phrase, speed of the leader, speed of the team? Anyone ever heard this phrase? Okay, like two of you. So it's this, it's this phrase in like business or sports or anything team related, speed of the leader, speed of the team. It essentially means that the leader establishes the pace for everyone else. And, and so you could have the fastest, most effective team in the world but that team is always going to be limited by its leader. And I actually think the same thing is true when it comes to a God-given vision for our lives. Over the course of the last month, we've been in this teaching series looking at what it means for us to have a bigger, better, broader, more expansive vision from God for our lives. We looked at what does it mean for you to have a God-given vision for your future, for the work that you do, for your gifts. It's been a beautiful series. But I want you to know that if your vision for your life is truly from God, then the size of your God determines the size of your vision. Like if you truly want a God-given vision for your life, but your vision of God is limited, then your vision is always going to be limited by your limited view of God. Your limited view of God is going to keep you playing small and praying small and living small. You will live limited as long as you worship a God who is limited. And so today, instead of focusing on a vision from God for our lives, I actually want us to begin to wrestle with what it might look like for us to get a bigger vision of God in our lives. Because I don't know if you realize this, but one of the ways that you can actually look at and read the entire story of the Bible is as a story of a people discovering a bigger God who has a bigger vision for their lives. That is actually an idea and a theme that weaves itself all the way through the Bible. I told you I could nerd out about this stuff and I'm going to do it for about four minutes. So buckle up. Here we go. In the ancient world, I don't know if you realize this, but in the ancient world, the, the ancient understanding of God was as a distant, disinterested deity. The gods, or God, was thought of to be way too high and mighty to ever actually care about the affairs of humanity. The ancient understanding was that for, for God, like, humans were at best pawns in a system. And then, Genesis chapter 1 comes along. And Genesis chapter 1 gives us a vision of a God who creates humankind in the image of God. It says that this God actually gets close and breathes life 
into humans. And it says that this God actually wants to partner with, work with humanity in doing good and beautiful work in the world. This is part of what Pastor Brandon talked about in week two of the series, if you remember, that good work works with God. This was a vastly bigger picture of God than anyone had ever considered in the ancient world. And it started in Genesis chapter one. If you keep reading on in the story to the second book of the Bible, the book of Exodus, it tells the story of God's people who are enslaved in Egypt. And while God's people are enslaved, they discovered that their God was actually bigger than the most powerful empire in the world. And that God actually had a bigger vision to liberate them from bondage and slavery. And as the story goes on, God's people, they find themselves in the wilderness. And in the wilderness, God's people had a vision of going where? Does anyone know? The promised land. This land that God promised they would inherit. But along the way, in the wilderness, they discovered that this God was actually even bigger than a God who would liberate them from slavery and give them a new home. But this God had a bigger vision, not just for them to be physically free, but for them to actually experience full freedom. This God wanted to reshape and reform their identity. In other words, in the wilderness, God's people discovered a bigger God who not only wanted to change where they lived, he wanted to fundamentally change who they were. And still, for thousands of years, people clung to that ancient picture of God as this distant, high and mighty, disinterested deity. And then Jesus came along. And Jesus gave us a vastly different picture of what God could be like. That God is not just high and mighty, but God is actually close. God is intimate. God is personal. God wants to walk with you. That this God doesn't just desire surrender and sacrifice from us, but this is the God who would actually give his life and be sacrificial on behalf of humanity. Jesus gave us a way bigger picture of who God could be than we ever had before. And it didn't stop there. But actually, all throughout the New Testament, we see people's vision of God getting bigger and bigger and bigger. I don't know if you know this, but in the early church, there was this understanding that only Jewish people or or only Jewish Christians, only they were God's people. That, That God's love God's favor, God's presence was really only for one people group. This was the understanding. But as we read throughout the New Testament, what we read is the early followers of Jesus beginning to wrestle with this reality that, oh, God is more than that. God is actually bigger than that. Who God loves is far more expansive, that this God is so much bigger than just a national God who only loves one group of people, but this is actually the God of all people including the outsider, including the non-religious. And the reason that I go through all of these examples is to try and show you that throughout the Bible, for God's people, God just keeps getting bigger. God just keeps getting better. Their vision and understanding of who God is and what God is able and longs to do just keeps getting more and more and more and more expansive. You don't put God in a corner. That's what they discovered. And, and at one point in the New Testament, there's this sort of culminating prayer from the Apostle Paul, one of the early church leaders. And it's one of my favorite passages in the entire Bible. It's in Ephesians chapter 3. And I love this passage because in it, he's sort of summing up this, like, this theme. He's sort of summing up this idea of an ever-increasing, ever-expanding view of who God is. It's in Ephesians chapter 3. I'm going to start in verse 16. 
Paul says, I pray out of his, meaning God's, glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people, here it is, to grasp, in other words, to understand, in other words, to get a vision for, to grasp how what? How wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that what? surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure with all the fullness of God. And then he goes one step further. He says, now to him who is able to do what? Oh, exceedingly and immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Here's the point. I think what this passage is describing is really, really simple, but it might just change the whole game for you. It's describing this reality that we believe in a God who is beyond belief. Like, we know a God who actually surpasses knowledge. That we are talking about a God whose identity and whose ability and whose goodness and whose generosity and whose presence is inexhaustible. And yet for many of us, if we're really honest our vision of this God is actually quite minimal, myself included. You know, I, I, I realize that something that has happened for me in my life as I've grown into my 30s and I've started a family and I've, I've started to get a lot more responsibilities in my life, I've noticed that I, I've had this feeling that like I'm reaching my capacity <laughs> in terms of what I'm able to handle or carry or be responsible for. It's all great and beautiful things, but I just feel like, hey, I've kind of maxed out my capacity in my life. And because of that, I've noticed over the last several years how there are some areas in my life where I've started to play really small with God. Now, I want to be clear. My family, my wife, and my two children are the greatest gift I could have ever dreamt They are the biggest and best vision I could ever ask for, for my life. And there are other parts of my life where I used to have these like really big, audacious, God-given visions and dreams. And in the last couple of years, I've kind of let some of those things fall to the wayside. Because like if I feel like I barely have capacity to hold my life as it is, how could I ever also pursue those things as well. And that's what I tell myself. And so I just kind of let those dreams, let those visions kind of fall to the side. Maybe, Maybe you've done this as well. And you know, I often tell myself that I do that. I tell myself that I do that out of wisdom. I tell myself I do that because I know my limits. And that might be true. But I think what is also true is that sometimes my playing small in certain areas of my life actually comes out of a small view that I have of God. Because what I realized in prepping for this message is that sometimes I have this subconscious view of a God who only exists to help me reach my own potential. Which, I don't know if you realize this, that is not the type of God that was described in the passage whatsoever. (laughs) 
But if I can begin to believe in a God who is so big and so powerful that this God is able to do immeasurably more than I could ever do or that I could ever imagine, not according to my own capacity, not according to my own ability, but according to this God's power that is alive and working in me. When I believe in a God who is not limited by my own capacity or potential, then I can have a vision for my life that goes beyond possibility. And that is what this series is ultimately about. That's why we wanted to start 2024 with a series called A Bigger Vision where you could begin to ask God for a bigger vision for your life, for you to live more intentionally in 2024 than you ever have before, to do this year and to live this life to the absolute fullest. And I pray that you would do that. But before you do that, here's what is also true. Before you can get a bigger vision from God, it has to start with a bigger vision of God. A bigger vision from God for your life, it has to start with a bigger vision of the God who gave you life, <laughs> that, just, that just makes sense. And so over the last couple of weeks, if you've been here, I hope that God has downloaded an unbelievable vision for you for this year, maybe for the next five years, 10 years. I hope God has spoken over your future. I hope God has reinvigorated a vision around your work. Or maybe last week with Jeannie's message, God really spoke to you and gave you a vision for the, for the gifts God has given you. I hope that is true. I know for me, I, I spoke to a friend of mine uh, at our church just a few weeks ago. And, and they said that week one of this series, God gave them a vision for full healing in their life this year. This person's been walking around with pain for as long as they can remember. God gave them a, a clear vision of, of full, even miraculous healing in their life this year, which is beautiful. That is a big vision. And if you're going to have a vision for full healing in your life, you also need a vision of a God who is a healer. You need a vision of a God who is so much bigger than any pain, than any diagnosis, than any disease that ever any doctor could ever talk about. That's what you need. Another friend of mine who, who's a volunteer here, at the end of last year, we were talking and he was telling me about a lot of brokenness that exists within his family, that there's some, some real estrangement, that there's been growing mistrust, but he feels as though God has given him a vision that, that this year, 2024, after multiple years, this year is the year they're going to start working it out. He actually has a vision for full reconciliation and redemption within that family brokenness, which again, beautiful vision for your life. And if you have a vision for full reconciliation in your family, you are also going to need a vision of a God who is able to reconcile even the most broken of relationships. You need a vision of a God who's so personal that your family drama, your family drama actually matters to this God. That God is actually willing to listen to your prayers. That God is present with you and actually hears you and longs for better for you. In week one of this series, if you remember, Pastor Jarrett gave an incredible sermon on a bigger vision for your future, and it was right on time for this old pastor because, you know, I've been trying to resurrect these, these old visions and God-given dreams that I've had for my life. And maybe that's been true of you as well. Maybe Jarrett's sermon really reignited some dormant dreams for you. I also want you to know, I was convicted of this as I was, I was preparing this message, for even the biggest dreamers in this room, 
even the most visionary, creative entrepreneurs in this room, your vision for your future is going to be small until you actually believe that there's a God big enough to hold it all. If you want a bigger vision for your life, you don't need to be more creative. You don't need to be more audacious. Those things help. But if you want a bigger vision, you need a bigger God. You need a God that is so much bigger than the boxes that we tend to put God in. You need a big God. You need a God who is big enough to be worshiped and yet small enough to be known. You need a God who is greater than the most infinite sum and yet who made himself less than the lowliest servant. You need a big God. You need a God who is more powerful than the most unstoppable force, stronger than the mightiest storm and yet more comforting than the warmest embrace. You need a God who is wiser than the most knowing sage and more generous than the most giving philanthropist. You need a bigger God, a God who's more mysterious than the most elusive enigma and yet more personal than your closest friend, a God who is kinder than you know, more present than you can see, and more loving than you could ever imagine. You need a bigger God, a God who is alpha and omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the creator, I'm not done, don't clap yet, the creator of the universe, the savior of the world, and the sustainer of all that is good and right and perfect and holy and beautiful. You need a bigger God. You need the prince of peace. You need the king of kings. You need the Lord of lords. You need a father to the fatherless, hope for the hopeless, and God even for the godless. There is no mercy that is sweeter and no grace that leaves you free. There is no one who knows you more and no one who you are more known by. This God is the provider of all of your needs. This God is the healer of the deadliest disease. This God is a miracle worker beyond things that you wouldn't even believe. You need a bigger God. And even with all of that being said, there is still so so much more to explore. And even then, we would still only scratch the surface of who this God actually is. You want a bigger life? You need to start believing in a bigger God. You don't need to do more. You don't need to work more. You don't need to listen to more podcasts about how you can optimize things all super helpful. I'm subscribed to all of them. <laughs> but before all that, you need a bigger vision of who God is, what God is able to do. And so this year, as you're starting to open yourself up to a bigger vision from God in your life, I also wonder if you would start to open yourself up to receive a bigger vision of God. To actually do the brave work of inviting God to break out of the boxes that we so often place God in. And one simple way that I've been trying to do that this year, and I want to invite you, Soul City, to do this with me this week, is I've been starting each day just by reading that Ephesians 3 passage. Because I want to believe in an immeasurably more God. And so every morning, start in the morning by reminding myself of that. And this week, I want to invite you to do the same. We're going to put that passage on our Instagram story each day. You can also set an alarm on your phone, put a you know, Google calendar, whatever you need to do. 
read Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 through 21, and then I just want you to sit and let God be big. I want to get a t-shirt made. So let God be big. Send it to my house. So this week we're all in to read Ephesians 3 together and begin to believe in an immeasurably more God. But as we, as we wrap up this bigger vision series, our team just couldn't think of a better way to kind of come to an end here than to enter into an extended time of worship and prayer. Again, my hope is over the last month that God has downloaded a big vision either for a certain area of your life, a certain relationship in your life, or maybe for your life as a whole. I pray that you have received a vision from God. Well, right now, we want to create some time. Our prayer team is going to come down here to the front of the stage, and we want to invite you to come forward. If you've received a vision from God, they want to pray over that vision. They want to pray over that. Or maybe you've sat through this series, and you're still unsure of what it is. You're still wrestling with God. You're still praying and asking God to make it clear. Our prayer team wants to pray that God would make it clear. That God, by God's spirit, would speak that vision clearly over your life. Or maybe you're feeling real convicted by this message that you've just been keeping God in a box and you don't even know how to begin to open up that box. Our team wants to pray with you as well. Whatever it is you're walking through today, our team wants to pray with you. And so we're going to have an extended time of worship together. We're going to pray and we're going to let God be big for a little while. So would you stand to your feet if you're able? I'm going to kick us off by praying and then we'll enter into worship and prayer together. God, we thank you. We thank you that you are so much more than we could ever ask or imagine. God, we thank you that you are able to do so much more than we could ever ask or imagine. And God, we pray that that is what you would do. Not just someday, but God, I actually pray that you would do that right now. That right now, in this space, in this room, God, that there would be people who come forward and receive prayer and that you would do immeasurably more in their lives than they could ever ask or imagine. That the, their wildest dreams, their wildest faith that they came forward with, that God, you would do immeasurably more. God, open our minds, open our hands, open our hearts to receive you as you are because then and only then can we begin to live as you created us to be. We love you. We praise you. We worship you in Jesus' name. Amen.